This is a headgum podcast. Baby Nation, this is Jack popping in right at the top of the episode. To... Hey, I'm here too, Baby Nation. It's Tanner. Tanner's here, but he's also kind of, popping in. Kind of redundant. I just wanted to let you guys know that I tried something pretty fun with this record, uh, which you're definitely going to notice. I recorded my audio through a megaphone while standing in a hurricane and surrounding myself with multiple screaming toddlers. Tanner tried the more conventional route of recording his audio onto a really nice mic. Yeah. But we'll let you judge for yourselves. Uh, now, which... Jack, I have a question. Yeah. Didn't you do that last week, too? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you didn't, we didn't learn from that mistake. Well, it's not an experiment unless you try it twice. Yeah. Uh, but it's a scientific method. If this doesn't work out, rest assured, we will be going back to committing uh, better audio quality after this, or else we will. Um, Commit Ritual Suicide Baby Nation. <laughs> Apart from that, <laughs> the episode is tons of fun, and I hope that you will get used to my slightly crappy audio quality. And I love you, and I kiss you, and I'm sorry. Goodbye. In 86, N.M. Martin wrote the first book of what became a cult. Now it's time. Tanner, I am so excited to dive into this text with you today. Jack, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Um, I had a landmark this weekend. We A landmark what? I'm going to tell you. Okay. We fed our child uh, solid food. Oh. Yeah. What do you have? Beef brisket, chicken, <laughs> uh, seafood, shrimp. Pureed scampi. hair, yeah, and he rubbed it all over his face and gums like some crazed coke fiend. Yeah, 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 yeah. He'll get the hang of it. <laughs> Maybe that's just what he does. He's like, I know I want this. I know I like it, but I don't know how to get into my body any, like more efficiently than this. So that's where I am. Proud daddy. I also ate some solid foods this week. Oh, congratulations. Yep. We had some pizza. Mm-hmm. With my dad yesterday. I don't know. I, that, now it doesn't feel so momentous. I feel like if I had gone first, yeah, it would have been a bigger deal. You, your dad wasn't even there. No, he was. He ate pizza, too. So you had a landmark moment, too, with your yeah. daddy. Yeah, my daddy was in town. We ate pizza. And he had solid foods. Yeah. That's just like me. His wife, Sarah, listens to the podcast. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Sarah. She has to drive through D.C. traffic every day, so she, you know, she's got plenty of podcasting time. <laughs> oh, man. I love that we're getting off uh, to a head start here talking about traffic. D.C. traffic. Am I right, Baby baby Nation? Any of you in uh, D.C., you know what I'm talking about. Oh, uh, the BWI Washington Baltimore Parkway <laughs> was all backed You're up. saying all the words. <laughs> Uh-oh, I, Uh-oh. I, there's a backup on the beltway. <laughs> Time to call the Maryland State Police. I don't know. <sighs> Can we talk about the book instead of whatever dumb stuff we are talking about? It got stuck on DuPont Circle. No, it got stuck in Pennsylvania Avenue. <laughs> hey, Tanner, let's introduce the podcast. Hi, hi, and welcome hi. to the Babysitter's Club. 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 A podcast about... The Babysitter's Club novels. I'm going to take another quick run at that one just because my enthusiasm was down, but I'm going to bring it up. Okay. <gasps> Club. A podcast about... And then you can just take it, patch it in. Okay. Why don't we just... We'll just start one more time. 
Hi, hi, and welcome to the Babysitter's Club. Club. Club! A podcast about... That came in hot. That was great. That one was hot, I thought that was good. Hi, hi, and welcome to the Babysitter's Club. 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 A podcast about the Babysitter's Club novels. I'm your host, Jack Shepard. I'm Tanner Greenring. Nice to meet you. In this podcast, we talk about the classic novels of The Hand That Shakes. That's right, I'm talking about the princess of the Prince of Town, St. Annabelle Matthews Martin, Stormborn, Soul Skinner, Mother of Clocks, and Bane to Bats. In case you're not familiar with her work, she is the first of her name and the last of her kind, and, that's right, the last hope for humankind. This week, we're going to be discussing a novel called Claudia, Queen of the Seventh Grade. Uh, It was a good one. It was a very good one. Yeah. I enjoyed it very much. Our boy, Sweet Peter Larangis, was in the mix. Swimming in a deep sea of Sweet Pete this week. Nipple deep in a deep sea of Sweet Pete. Mm-hmm. Sweet, sweet, deep, sweet, deep. That was good. Uh, kissing those sweet, Kissing sweet... those queets. <laughs> do you want me to do it? Yeah, it's tough. I have difficulty with it. Kissing those sweet, sweet Pete feet this week. Mm. <laughs> oh, that's unfortunate. Um... <laughs> It was a good book. It reminded me of one of Shakespeare's problem plays. Oh. I mean, just in that, in, in, <laughs> what? <laughs> what you... Nothing. I, uh, good. Good analysis. Agree. <laughs> I'm glad you agree. I don't mean it in any particularly profound way, um, except to say that it had tragic and comic elements. Uh, it would be difficult to kind of pin down this book in any particular genre. The narrative is fascinating, but it is serpentine Mm. uh, in its motion. It twists and turns. The A plot and the B plot don't meld together. There's very, very little babysitting. There's not a lot of babysitting. The babysitting that does happen is deeply fraught. Yeah, it's uh, Claudia and and her friends are forced to take care of a Firebug, the fire starter. I call fire starter. Claudia and her friends are forced to take care of the fire starter, Seth Addison. And this must. Did you look into it at all? I looked. Like, into it feels it. like we missed a book. I'm guessing a super special. It's actually a mystery. I think it's Babysitters Club mystery number twelve. Somebody set fire to something, and we have to find out who it is. And it turns out it was Sean Addison. Sean Addison set fire to the book fair. Yeah, the readathon. Oh, I read that as Rayadathon. <laughs> uh-huh. I think that, that means... You know the phrase mens rea, the legal terminology? It's like men's rights? No. What is it? It means guilty mind. Oh, okay. So it was fascinating. I haven't read this book, but it sounds very interesting. This boy didn't want to participate in a Rayadathon. So he burned it. I think your analysis is fairly astute, mm-hmm. but also he just likes fire. Yeah. Oh, watching the flames lick up higher and higher on those books. Just. Oh. It's a book. Oh, wait. Are you acting right now? Uh, I was. Yeah, I was acting. Okay. I'm not into fire. Okay, good. Because that was very persuasive. Yeah, no. Fire doesn't make me horny. Okay, good. Yeah. Great. I'm going to cut that out and put it right at the front of this episode, just so people know. <laughs> before we before we even get started, if anyone's worried, they're new to the podcast, they can know up front. They can take that off. I think it's good to way. establish whether or not fire makes you horny. Right. I think it's good to establish all the things that are illegal mm-hmm. 
and whether or not they make you horny okay. when you're first getting to know someone. Okay. Like, I'm happily married, so obviously I'm not going to be going on any dates anytime soon. But if I did, I would sit down and I would say, here's a list of the things that make me, that do not make me horny. Fire, murder, uh, stealing. Okay. Here's a list of the illegal things that do make me horny. Grand Theft Auto. Oh, I see. So we're just talking about criminal things. Grand larceny. Right. Horny as hell. Counterfeiting. Mm-hmm. U.S. U.S. tender counterfeiting. Oh. Okay, that's very unfortunate. Now you do your list. Okay. Um, Let me list off some crimes. Arson. Okay. Arson? Yeah. No. Um, grand larceny. Uh-uh. Jaywalking. Eh. Uh, murder. Mm-mm. Definitely. Hard no. <laughs> um, tax evasion. Oh, there it is. <laughs> there it is. Send this one to the IRS. Hey, Tanner, let's describe this novel okay there is a lot of kissing a lot of kissing yeah mm-hmm. less mooching pete if you're gonna have a lot of kissing you're gonna want to get your kissing pro in yeah pete larangis that guy knows how to write a kiss he certainly knows how to write a kiss shall i read you some kiss passages well at first i want to ask you a question about a procedural question about kissing that came up in this book okay so spoiling a little bit of the plot but uh claudia kisses mark Yep. Once. But kiss number two is obligated uh, because they're the, the king and queen of the seventh not grade. Not obligated. They were given the option. It's suggested. Yes. But it's not part of their burgeoning a romance. Uh, no. Claudia disagrees, but... Right. But so here's what Claudia says. And it, we're going to get into the details of this, Baby Nation. Don't you worry. We're jumping the gun here. We're talking about kissing. It's a subject that is near and dear to both of our hearts. Mm. And Pete's. You like kissing, right? Love it. Yeah. Should I do my list? Yeah. Grand Theft Auto. The things that make me horny. Grand Theft Auto. Mm-hmm. Grand Larceny. Kissing. Mm. Stove wrestling. Oh, wow. <laughs> Baby Nation, you heard it here first. I'm getting into it. I'm getting into it. <laughs> I'm dipping my toe in a little bit. Well, it, when you live in a Brooklyn apartment, sometimes you got to make out in the kitchen. Yeah. There's just not a lot of room. And then I know you, I think I know your list pretty intimately by this point. Right. Kissing, mm-hmm. tax evasion. Mm-hmm. Um, kissing those sweet, sweet feet of sweet, sweet Pete. Feet kissing. But, and then what was the thing that Christy and Bart did? Oh, um, arm stuff. Arm stuff. Yeah. Yeah, you love arm stuff. I love arm stuff. Well, I'll tell you something. Yeah. And this is a tip for the listeners out there. Arm stuff can sometimes be a prelude to kissing. <laughs> That's the way you do it, huh? Yeah. I like to come home from work, take off my, my jacket, I loosen my tie. I yeah. avoid paying my taxes. Yeah, that gets you in the mood. Then I'll do a little bit of arm stuff. Before yeah. you know it, smooching away. Yeah, I obviously would hate to kiss and tell, but Jamie and I finish with arm stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that, I, that might answer my question. I want to ask you this question. Here's what Claudia says. She's worried about having to kiss Mark at the dance as in their capacity as king and queen. That's what I was worried about, she says. Kiss number two. I mean, one kiss can always be counted as a mistake, but two, let's face it, that's a relationship. Huh. Is that your experience? Let's see. How many times have you and Jamie kissed? More than two. Okay. We kissed at our wedding. Okay, yeah, I saw that. Yeah. So that's one. And, huh. I can confirm one. Huh, huh, huh. I'm trying to think. 
It's it must have happened again since then. I don't want to put you on the spot. You know, I'm having trouble remembering anything specific right now, but I swear we have again at some point. Well, get back to me with that evidence. As the man who married you in the eyes of the law, yeah, I'm gonna need evidence of that second kiss to confirm a relationship. Have we not been in a relationship this whole time? How many times have you and Sarah kissed? Oh, dozens. You think so? Oh, dozens. List them all right now. Okay, <laughs> once, definitely at our wedding. Saw it. Saw that one. Yeah. Oh, you guys kissed um, last time you were staying here in my apartment together. You guys. Oh, yeah. We kissed and smooched and arm stuff. Got that on. Got that on. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. Tanner, let's describe this novel. Um, yeah, I feel like we should at this point because we've already talked about King and Queen and Mark Jaffe. And... Oh, I wanted to read you that kissing passage. Should I just read you the kissing passage now? It's so powerful. It's it's intimate. It, Anne and Pete describe a kiss in a way that's like... It gave me shivers. Let's start at the end. That's what um, Kurt Vonnegut said. Okay. The best way to tell a story is start as close to the end as possible. He once wrote a a book about soldiers fighting aliens. Is that right? World War II soldiers? Sure. That's (laughs) that's a a way of describing that. (laughs) Like a sci-fi author? Uh, (laughs) Tanner, let me read you this passage. It's the final passage in the novel. And it should come with a parental advisory. Yeah, it's a little a little randy. Dance, Mark asked. I held out my arms and we moved to the song. The room sounded like a bird sanctuary. Screeches and whistles and loud hooting. Very grown up, huh? I said. The chanting transformed into kiss, 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 kiss. Mark was blushing. Should we? We've done it before. I replied. He laughed. I laughed. We spun around the gym. I could see Shira, Jeannie, and Joanna. Josh was turning away, docking into the crowd. I could see the mouths shouting. I could see the hands clapping, but I couldn't hear a thing. Only the music and my heart thumping inside me. And soon I could see only Mark. And I didn't care what anyone was shouting or who was looking. Our lips met for the second time. No doubt about it now. It was a relationship. And it felt very, very good. Wow. That was the second time they kissed. The first time was much more anatomical. Um, Pete was like, Mark came in, his lips touched my lips, my lips touched his lips. Tanner, I would love to describe this novel for you. You just did. Well, I would love to describe uh, the rest of the novel. Well, the novel's pretty focused on all the kiss play. There's a lot of kissing, and we're going to get to the kissing. You want to go ahead and talk about the novel. I want to go ahead and talk about the novel, then I'm going to put... Do we still do the thing where you do it in one sentence? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. All right, I'll begin now. When the young masters and mistresses of Stony Brook's premier academy for the formation of juvenile minds reached the seventh of their grades, it is customary that a queen and king be chosen from amongst their number to rule them as they see fit, with wisdom, justice, and most importantly, prudence. So it is no surprise to anyone when the brilliant, fashionable, and popular newcomer, Claudia, is selected to fulfill this royal duty. But as Claudia settles into her role, advising her subjects and planning a lavish ball for their entertainment, there is one difficulty she never expected to reckon with. The irrepressible nature, the rebellious spirit, and the dark, 
brooding, and undeniably captivating good looks of her king. And so begins the short, tumultuous, and memorable reign of Claudia, Queen of the Seventh Grade. Claudia, Queen of the Seventh Grade. Why'd you say it twice? I don't know. I liked it better the second time. Should we keep them both in? <laughs> keep them both in. We'll let, we'll let the audience decide. Okay. Tweet at us. Let us know which read you liked better, um, and then we'll edit it down. Also, uh, tweet at us your favorite DC traffic stories. Yeah, or DC superheroes. Mine's Green Lantern. Okay, great. Whose is yours? Tenor. That was my description of this novel. I hope you liked it. Oh, I loved it. Great. Would you like to follow suit and describe this novel yourself? You want me to do it now? I'm going to put 60 seconds on this big bad clock. I'm going to begin now. Um, hello. My name is Tanner Greenring. Um, Claudia Kishi is in the seventh grade. She was sent back some books ago. She is. She's made some new friends because she, now she's smart and cool and charismatic. And they're they're cool. One of them's name is Josh. One of them's name is Shawnee. Sherry? I've got the names. I'll read them later. Okay. Uh, they nominate her for prom queen. It's not high school prom, but it's seventh grade prom. It's still fun. She wins. So does this boy called Mark Jaffe, who's like a dickhead. And he um, also was held back in the third grade. So he's actually 14 as well. And um, they fight a lot, and they decide to change all the rules and take over the prom committee and do all the prom planning. Um, and the prom goes off without a hitch, and they kiss twice. They do kissing twice. And there's a boy named Sean who lights fires to things. And time. Sloppy. I thought it was good. Sloppy. We covered all the beats. Kissing. Kissing? Two, two kissing. Did you say that there's two discrete instances of kissing? Yep. Mm-hmm. Between got Claudia and Mark Jaffe. Let's talk about this man, Mark Jaffe. Mark Jaffe. So he's a dickhead, as I said yeah. before. He's a dickhead, um, which is kind of like a dingleberry, except worse. Right. Because it's like you're intentionally being a dingleberry. Let me uh, set the scene for the baby nation. Mm. A boy named Mark Jaffe sat in the last seat of my row. All around him, kids were cracking up. He's a crowd pleaser. Mark had this deadpan look as if he were hanging on Miss Chavetta's every word. The biggest gigglers were a couple of the girls, Loretta Jorgensen and Jennifer Klein. Uh, Sweet Pete reached deep into his character Bible this week. Yeah. They were looking at Mark as if he were a rock star who happened to have floated into the classroom. Police. I mean, and here's the turn. Here's the turn of the screw, Tanner. I mean, yes, Mark is cute. He has high cheekbones and long brown hair that flops across his face. His eyes are a deep, luscious brown, and he seems older, more like a high school kid. But looks aren't everything, and all his muttering in the back of the class can be pretty obnoxious. Yeah. I don't know, Claudia. If looks aren't anything, why would you kiss him not once but twice? And that means a relationship. That means a relationship. Now yeah. you guys are dating. Yeah. Did you want that, Claudia? Because that's what you did. You kissed him twice. She's dating this enigmatic character named Mark Jaffe. He's dangerous. Anne and Pete mm-hmm. do not hit this very hard. They're very subtle about it. But Mark Jaffe was also held back. 
Mm. But he was held back much earlier. He has a reading disability. Right. And he was held back in third grade. So he's actually the same age as Claudia. Something he reveals to Claudia in one of the rare moments when he lets his mask slip and shows his vulnerability behind those deep brown eyes and those high cheekbones. He's also um, a sweepy, sweepy boy. Sweepy. Sweepy baby. Okay. He's always sweepy. Oh, he falls asleep in class? A lot. Okay, yeah, that's true. I thought that was going to be a plot point, but nope. No, it's just just a thing. He's just a sweepy boy. I think it's because he's cool. Yeah, okay. I mean, it's also growing. So that's a cool... We were we at one point we're keeping a list of the things that make you cool. We're shrugging a lot. Mm-hmm. Now we're adding sweepiness to it. We're adding sweepiness to it. Yeah. Yeah. Baby Nation. It's difficult to describe. I didn't. I didn't come away loving Mark Jaffe, but there is no question hey, between you, me, and Claudia. One of us did. Am I right? Because <laughs> now they're in a relationship. I think you would say among. You, me, and Among Claudia. you, me, and Claudia, one of us did. Am I right? Yeah, Claudia. <laughs> yeah, they're they're an they kissed twice. Yeah, yeah. So they're in a relationship. I think we've established that. Um, yeah, I didn't love the guy. Claudia did love the guy. That's where we are. You know who I love? Who? Claudia's new friend, Josh. Claudia's new friend, Josh. Is, so I don't think Tanner hit this plot point very well, but it's a beautiful little thing that Pete does. Josh is much more lovable than Mark Jaffe. Um, he's a jokester. Uh, the, Christy and the the other BSC members are, are being real dingleberries this week. Yeah. And they belittle all of Claudia's seventh grade friends, particularly Josh, who they call like, oh, that little chipmunk. He obviously is carrying a torch for Claudia. There's no question about that. Yeah, uh, but he's hilarious. He would like to kiss Claudia twice. Oh, that's establishing a relationship. He would like to kiss Claudia two, two to three times. Oh, you think he wants to do more than twice? Yeah, I'm talking lifelong relationship. Does he know that you only have to do it twice? Yeah, I imagine. But the, getting past that first one is the biggest hurdle. Yeah, I guess actually, in your case, just get married to her. Yeah, there's one. Then you just have an opportunity all the time. Yeah, you just sit back and wait until someone discovers that you never did the second kiss, Tanner. Josh Rocker. His name is Josh Rocker. Shira Epstein, Josh Rocker, Joanna Fried, and Jeannie Kim are Claudia's new friends. But Josh Rocker, this week, Tanner, is mine. Baller of the Week! Baller of the Week? No way. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I didn't know what you were doing, Baller of the Week. You want me to read you a quick little passage? Yeah, I like Josh. He's you know great. Josh reminded me of? Who? Me. Oh, <laughs> you think you're a Josh. At 14? Yeah. Yeah. I'm a, I'm more of a Mark Jaffe. Yeah, you're more of a Mark Jaffe. Yeah. You were, like, cool and aloof and, like, sweepy. Yeah, I'm always sweeping in class, but I'm not really. Just just want the attention. I was, uh, looked young for my age and chipmunk-like and, uh, always trying to make people laugh, but, you know, never really actually. I don't know. Josh succeeded pretty well this week. This passage, I'm sure, stood out to you as well. Claudia gets home from her prom organization committee as queen of the seventh grade and says the following. My answering machine was blinking with a four. <laughs> Baby Nation, uh, answering machines, how to explain this? Um, um, okay. It was like, a, it was like um, Hang on, a I can do this. Secretary, except yeah, it's, it lived in a machine. Yeah, imagine you have a secretary that's automated. That's a robot. 
That's ones yeah. and zeros. And it takes people's calls and has them record it's their It's like, um, you know that robot from Short Circuit? Yeah. Oh, wait, no. If they don't get answer machine, Johnny they're Fly. not going to get Short Circuit. Um, do you remember the robot from... Uh, Small Wonder. What about the... Do you remember the robot from no, Small Wonder? No, they're not going to know that. Okay. What about Terminator 1? 1? Yeah. No, they're not going to know I think that. that was like 88? Um, the robot from Blade Runner. Okay. The robot from... Oh, well, no. That's not going to... Okay. Um... Okay, uh, Lost in Space. You'll remember Lost in Space or the... Uh, the 1998 film? The 1998 reboot of Lost in Space. Yeah. You'll get that. Lost in Space is coming back, you know. Soon on Netflix, Baby Nation. Okay, great. So remember the robot from the 1998... Or 2018. Reboot. Re-reboot. Reboot of Lost in Space. Oh, reboot. The early aughts CGI animated TV show, Reboot. Okay, and that's not helpful. That's too late for you. Is Lost in Space not going to work? I mean, I don't think by the time this episode comes out, I don't think the 2018 reboot will be out yet. Okay, well, fucking help me. Help me! Um, BB-8. BB-8. Okay. You know the robot from Star Wars. Ray's little round friend, BB-8. Yeah. Imagine if BB-8 could talk, and what BB-8 said was what people who called you but didn't reach you wanted you to hear. Right. BB-8 spoke in an otherworldly voice, right. and that voice belonged to one of your peers. That's what an answering machine was. Right. And everybody had one. And they had tapes in them. <laughs> okay, let's not get... Yeah. So tape is like... Uh, okay, hang on. So I know this. Streaming movie. You know, um, what's the name of the Decepticon? Soundwave. Soundwave. So you know the, the Decepticon Soundwave from the Transformers cartoon? They're not going to know it. What? Okay. Yeah. He's a tape. That's that one's. He's, isn't he, he was a, a tape, tape player. He's a tape player. <laughs> Though here's a question about Soundwave. Yeah. When he turned into a tape player, was he a really big tape player? He's a really large tape player. <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> the Decepticons are so dumb. <laughs> Even what's his face just turned into a really big gun. Megatron it's was like, a what? gun, and what's he gonna? He just fall, he would just fall over if no one was holding him. <laughs> Anyway, look, I think you have enough context now, and I can read this passage that is my baller of the week this week. My answering machine was blinking with a four. I grabbed a sketch pad, flopped down onto my bed, and hit the message button. Message one was a whiny, unfamiliar voice. Oh, excuse me, wrong number. I was trying to reach the mayor of Stony Brook. Message two was someone with a weird foreign accent. Hello, the mayor? Is not there? I will try later. How's it's just French? That's not that weird. It's weird to Claudia. <laughs> How strange. Had my phone line been crossed with the town hall? Do you want me to do a different accent? Yeah, maybe more. Just something weirder. Weirder. But be careful, because if you do something recognizable, you are essentially saying that you think that accent... Culture and people are weird. What about Russians? Are we allowed to make fun of Russians in this day and age? No, absolutely not. Okay. They'll hack us. <laughs> okay. Oh, wait, cut that. <laughs> Good. Um, okay, I'll just do a weird accent that is of indiscriminate origin. But if it's in any way discriminate. Okay. I know. The mail is not there. Just a different kind of French accent. It's not French. Now you're, just a different now you're French being problematic for thinking that that's French. Was it Belgian? He made it up. <laughs> I know. The mayor is not there. I will try later. I'm also reading it. Pete has spelled it out f- phonetically. 
Yeah. So Pete's the xenophobe. Okay, I'll do, I'm just gonna. I don't want to get in trouble. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna rewrite this. Message yeah. two was someone with a flat affect. Hello, the mayor is not there. I will try later. Good. Seems like it's offensive to like AI. I must move on. Okay. <laughs> How strange. Had my phone line been crossed with the town hall? Message three. Hello, this is Mr. Addison regarding Thursday's sitting job. Our meeting has been changed to next Monday. I know it's short that notice. One's not, that one's not a please grandpa. call us back as soon as possible. That's a real one. He's a parent, yeah. Call Addison's I wrote on the bottom of my sketch pad as the last message sounded. Uh, hello? This is the mayor of Stony Brook. Have there been any calls for me? That voice I recognize. I burst out laughing. Josh! What a goon! What a goon! He'd really fooled me. And a great actor, apparently. That he can... Brilliant! He can really stretch out his voice in this way to to capture all these characters. Well, I think this is an avatar for Pete, right? Because it's... uh, Who else in the world... Who else in the world can both inhabit a visitor from France or from another planet and a regular citizen who has a complaint... And someone as illustrious as the mayor of Stony Brook? Well, here's the thing is Josh is a 12-year-old boy in seventh grade. When I was a 12-year-old boy in seventh grade, people would often mistake me for my mother on the phone. That's not cool at all. Yeah, that's not cool at all. I don't think I could pull off a man's voice. No, and also... Or a, a Frenchman's voice. But also to create this rich world where everybody is trying to get in touch with the mayor of Stony Brook and the mayor himself is calling to some centralized line to see if anyone's trying to get in touch with him. What's the problem that's facing Stony Brook? Who are these people? Why are some of them not citizens? Hmm. It's been a while since we visited this phenomenon, but there have been French witch hunters. That's true. In Stony Brook before. And we haven't heard from them in a while. And I wonder if there's like a new coven in town. I think that's probably the case. Yeah. Um, So you've cracked it. Well, and here's just to just to further this point, Mark Jaffe mm-hmm. has this cabal of enthralled young women, yeah, who follow him around and uh, obey his every command, much like the brides of Satan. A lot like the brides of Satan, witches, yeah, sort of dance around the fire, chanting their ritualistic incantations. Yeah, it can't just be those brown eyes and that swoopy hair and those high cheekbones that is enchanting these women. And Mark Jaffe manages to entrance Claudia and do kissing with her. Yeah. Not once, but twice. Twice. Thus sealing the pact of relationship. Right. And bringing her into his cabal as well. Right. Very interesting. Well, that's something to explore further, but I would be remiss, Tanner, if I did not tackle the most interesting piece of symbolism that Peter Laranges and Anna Martin bring to bear on this novel. Tell me. Well, you presumably know, but it is the lion and the lamb. And the lamb. Yeah. That was the theme of the seventh grade prom this year. It's the theme of the seventh grade prom, and boy... Aesop? Does it have some resonance. Yeah, Aesop is one. He's got something on that? Aesop's got something on it. The Bible? The Bible? See, yeah. They name the prom, which is what Claudia and Mark Jaffe are the king and queen of. And their role as king and queen is to organize the seventh grade prom. Maybe it is now. 
Right. It is now. Previously, they it was just a title only. Yeah, it was a sinecure. Yeah. Um, and now, because Claudia has so much BSC organizing experience, she's like, well, why don't we turn this into a thing and create a prom committee? Yeah, it's no longer a, a sinecure. Excuse me? It's no longer just a sinecure. A sinecure. Yeah. It's yep. not a sinecure anymore. But so now... Claudia and Mark Jaffe are organizing the prom, the seventh grade prom, and Claudia, with the help of the committee, determines that it will be lion and lamb themed, and they call it the lion to lamb seventh grade jam. That's good. It's very good. But what an interesting and strange choice. I'm thinking, as did you, Isaiah, right? That's the first thing that comes to mind. The wolf will live with the lamb, the leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. That passage from Isaiah is the most famous lion and lamb passage. Yes, but then I also, I get the theming is whatever. Like, she's like, we're going to do lion and lamb. Right. But then the decorations were like spring and winter? Yeah, so I was thinking about that. Here's the passage that Tanner is referring to, Baby Nation. He was right. The lamb side of the gym was green with flowers, the lion side wintry but cheerful. So the green with flowers put me in mind, Tanner, of, do you want to just say it with me? Because I'm sure you're... On three, ready? One, One two, two, three, three. Virgil's Virgil fourth eclogue. What did you say? Virgil's fourth eclogue. Virgil's fourth eclogue. Me too. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Virgil's fourth eclogue is the so-called messianic eclogue. Yep. Which I think medieval commentators felt was somehow drawing from the Isaiah passage, but there's no way that that could be the case. They're probably drawing from some previous source or else it's just a coincidence. But here's the passage. For thee, O boy, first shall the earth untilled pour freely forth her childish gifts. Will the she-goats then bring home their udders swollen with milk while flocks afield shall of the monstrous lion have no fear. What is that now? Virgil? That's Virgil's fourth eclogue. He's the one who went to hell with Dante? He certainly did. And showed him around? Showed him around. Um, Why does Virgil have free access to hell? Because he lives there. Because he's a sinner. Because he was born before Jesus, and therefore... Cannot be saved. And do you want to talk about this fucking sinner? It's just the first circle. On our show? It's just the first circle. And what does this have to do with Pamela, Lily, and Isley? Those are um, Claudia's new friends? No, that's Poison Ivy's name. Oh, yeah. No, I don't think this has anything to do with Poison Ivy. Why did we... Didn't you say that earlier? Because we're talking about famous texts throughout history that bring to bear lion and lamb symbolism. Virgil's Eclogues, which I think is clearly referenced here because of the pastoral theme of the dance, and then the Isaiah passage, uh, because the dance is called the Lion to Lamb 7th Grade Jam. Um, it could also refer to the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Was there a lamb in that? Um, nope. Tumness, a little bit. It's like a lamb boy. What I'm interested in is bringing that back to this particular text, which is a text about the transition from innocence to experience, right? And in some ways is also a text about resurrection, Claudia's glorious resurrection as the queen of the seventh grade. Like the lion from Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Exactly. 
he was resurrected. Right. And that is often what a lion stands in for in mythology and in religion. Christ. Sure. <laughs> Not to put too fine a point on it. I thought that was interesting. Did you? Yes. And that's why you brought it up. Right. You thought we'd have a good conversation about that. Yeah. You thought I'd be right there with you. I did. Yeah. Were you? Yep. Thank you. <laughs> How about let's take a break? Okay. You say goodbye. Gonna, you say goodbye. You say goodbye. He just left. So, Jenner, are you recovered from that fascinating discussion of the symbolism that Pete Moranges and Anna Martin deployed surrounding the lion and the lamb, bringing in Virgil's eclogues, Isaiah, and other famous lions. Hint, just a hint of poison ivy. Just a, just a, maybe just a touch of the DC Universe's Poison Ivy to flavor this wonderful novel with feelings of rebirth and innocence and experience. I was more than satisfied with our discussion, yes. Okay. I'll cut you off there, and I would like to not talk about it anymore. Okay, fine. Do you want to talk about Claudia's motto? Um, sure. Does she have one? Yeah, she has one, and she mentions it in this book. And it got me to thinking about mottos in general throughout the BSC. And I want to talk about Claudia's motto, and I also want to talk about the other mottos that have been given to us throughout the Babysitter's Club series by Anna M. Martin. Okay. Here's the passage. How do you know all this stuff, asked Josh. Claudia's super smart, because now she's in the seventh grade, and she took all the classes. And she's like a genius. Yeah. It's like, what's that movie where... Um, Limitless with no, Bradley Cooper. I, it's like... Lucy with uh, Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> no, it's not that. It's it's some comedian gets sent back in time. Uh, Billy Madison. No, it's sent back, sent back in time. Maybe Black Knight with Adam, Martin Lawrence. Black Knight with Martin Lawrence. There we go. <laughs> How did you know? <laughs> it's like Black Knight with Martin Lawrence. He gets yeah. sent back. I haven't seen it, but this is what I think it's about. Martin Lawrence gets sent back in time, and he's, like, the smartest person in the world because he's like, look, I know how to make fire because he has a lighter. Yeah, and it's medieval time. Right. The 2001 film Black Knight. Yeah. Starring Martin Lawrence. Mm -hmm. Can I read you a little bit about this movie? I wish you would. Jamal, Martin Lawrence, an employee of the medieval world amusement park, suffers a blow to the head and wakes up in 14th century England. He encounters knaves peasants, archers, and a giant while showing the people some modern dance moves. <laughs> Tapping into his good side, Jamal aligns with a peasant woman, Marsha Thomason, and a down-and-out ex-knight who are bound and determined to overthrow evil King Leo, Kevin Conway, and his right-hand man, Sir Nolte, Tom Wilkinson. That sounds like one of my descriptions. Just <laughs> <laughs> like, where was that going? Anyway, I feel like we're straying from the point. The, this looks bad. The point is that Claudia, because she has already experienced the seventh grade and knows all of the things that there are to know about the seventh grade, is a seeming genius. May I continue to read this passage, Tanner, please? Oh my god, this movie made so much money. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, read your thing. How do you know all this stuff? Asked Josh. I shrugged modestly. Well, you see... I'm sent back from the future. <laughs> I was sent back from the eighth grade. Yeah. I shrug modestly. I just do. The truth, I memorized 
All the first letters of the classifications for Kingdom Phylum Class Order Family Genus Species, because they also stand for Kindly Pass Claudia Oreos, for goodness sake. Pretty cool system, huh? Take something hard and make it simple. That's my motto. So that's Claudia's motto. Take something hard. Take something hard. And make it simple. Make it simple. So here are the other mottos that have been passed down to us by Anna and Martin Tanner. In Babysitter's Club number 105, Stacy the Math Whiz, which should be fresh in your mind because we read it last week. Mm-hmm. Except it's been a little while since we recorded. So. We were gifted with Claudia's parents' motto. I'll refresh your memory. If Claudia's parents ever found out about her secret stash of candy, they'd have a cow. Maybe two. Boy, are they ever straight-laced. Their motto? No junk for the body, no junk for the mind. (laughs) (laughs) Makes Claudia a dull boy. Yeah. That's it? You got two mottos? No, got Stacy's motto. Yeah. Is this pre or post Darkest Timeline? It's the first book in the Darkest Timeline. Christie's worst idea. Book number 100 or book number one in the Darkest Timeline. Stacy's motto is maximum fashion for maximum savings. I think if I had to pick any <laughs> motto to take in as my own, yeah, it would be Stacy's. Stacy's is good. Uh, well, you haven't heard the Pike family's motto from number eighty-six, Marianne and Camp BSC. Uh, we learned the Pike family motto in this passage: "Sleep late." The Pike family motto is "Get up now." <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about? Get it's up very, um, now. It's very like, uh, who were the octopuses? The Greyjoys. Right. It's a little like the Greyjoys. We do not sew. Yeah. Get up now. It's just like, get up now. Get up now. Yeah. The final motto that I have that Anna's passed down to us is one that you definitely know. And it is Don Schaefer's motto. Study hard, work hard, and be great babysitters. Play hard, and don't forget to surf. <laughs> what's unwieldy <laughs> i want a cross stitch of that study hard work hard and be great babysitters play hard and don't forget to serve it's all of the things it is all of the things it's like she forgets like she kind of gets stuck halfway through and she's like oh shit i forgot play hard and then has to go back and get it i was been sitting here trying to think of what jamie and my the green ring motto might be right do a second kiss do a second kiss is good. Do a second kiss. Just do a second kiss. Kiss again. Kiss again. The Green Ring family. Kiss do again. Do a second kiss. Maybe it should be like, I was going to say something really crude and the joke being you bleep it, but I'm uncomfortable even saying the crude thing. Okay. Just in case you decide not to bleep it. Right. Just to embarrass me. So it could be like something like, just beep the beep. And then we're like, oh, gross. No, it can't be that. No, you got to say it. No, I'm not going to say it. Just on. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to bleep the shit out of that. That's our motto. (laughs) The Green Ring family. Just on. The only family in history to on before getting to a second kiss. (laughs) God, whoever's edit this is, you better fucking bleep that. get there man you'll get there um so that's it that we learned a lot about mottos this week baby nation claudia's motto never forget it take something hard and make it 
simple. Take a sad song and make it better. Hey, Jude. Um, Jack? Yes, Tanner. You want to talk about Pete's weird triangulation? Ooh, yes. I thought so. But I would Mm -hmm. like to do it in service of a segment we have Mm -hmm. where we discuss Sweet Pete and Mm -hmm. his sweet feet Mm -hmm. because we are swimming nipple deep in a sea of Sweet Pete. It's Mm -hmm. this week's Larange's Moment. No song. No, I have one. Larangis Unana. This book was written by Larangis Unana. I knew the moment that I read it. That moment when you get it. Larangis Unana. <laughs> I really liked it. <laughs> Sorry. That's really a song. It. It's the set to the tune of Havana by Camilla Cabello. And it was sent in by Baby B. Asha. If you're a new baby bee, we're not going to tell you why you're a bee, but we will tell you what Laurentius moment is. It is the moment in a particular novel where we knew that that novel could only have been written by the great, sweet Peter Laurentius. Why don't you tell me your Laurentius moment this week, Tanner? Oh, Shira moaned, slapping her forehead. I just remembered we're having a quiz on Stony Brook government and social studies tomorrow. Joanna rolled her eyes. Shira, you're just like the boy who cried wolf. I'm not a boy, Shira snapped. She means you should chill, Josh translated. Josh, Shira said with a deep sigh. No one says chill anymore. They should, Josh remarked, to you. (laughs) Sorry, that was very good. I missed that. (laughs) That's fucking good. Yeah, Josh Josh is a killer. Yeah, I'm sad because I don't think we're going to see a lot more of him because we left this book with him being rejected and feeling dejected by right. Claudia, who was doing kissing with Mark instead of him. Not just once. Not just once. But yeah, no one says chill anymore. And they mention it again, by the way, in this book. I don't know if Pete Larangis has got something, like something happened to him. There's yeah. like some t- deep trauma there. But there's a second <laughs> reference to no one says chill anymore in this book. He told Anne to chill once, and Anne's like, Pete, no one says chill anymore. He was and like, he's like, I'm going to show you. Fucking chill out. And was like, oh, <laughs> I am the hand that shakes. <laughs> no one says chill to me. No one says chill at all anymore. <laughs> Sorry, Pete, that that happened to you. Sorry, Pete. Okay, here's my Lorenzo's moment. It's early on, and I want to mention this one because it also coincides with our perhaps most neglected and most obscure but still wonderful segment. Double play ball right at Simmons. Claudia and Stacy, baseball idiots. (laughs) (laughs) I I pick this up with the bat. Follow through with the bat. Dun, 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 dun. Claudia and Stacey Baseball Idiots (laughs) Welcome to Claudia and Stacey Baseball Idiots, Baby Nation It's a short one, it's also my Lorenzo's moment this week I'm going to read you this passage It's from Chapter 2 Christy is a huge sports fan She follows all the teams That's actually, that's a good start for Claudia and Stacey Baseball Idiots That's not a thing, to follow all the teams (laughs) She likes all the teams She loves all of them. She once told me she could spend an entire day shagging fly balls and not tire out. 
I had no idea what shagging meant. Yeah, baby. I pictured her ripping the stuffing out of the ball and combing it into a 70s hairstyle. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. That's my Lorenzo's moment. Good one. Good one. Uh, And it was the Claudia and Stacey baseball idiots and... Now, Tanner, since we're talking about something that Pete Lorenzo did this week, he sent us a fucking message this week. Me and me. You and me. And he did something that you and I have forborn to do in 109 episodes. And that is, Tanner, to triangulate. P- now, sorry, is Pete triangulating where we are or where he is? I don't know what he's triangulating, but he's triangulating okay. something. Here's a passage from this novel. It's also from the chapter two. It is when Claudia is describing Stakey. Is it Stakey or Stacy? Um, um, Stakey sounds right. Stakey. Stakey McGill, um, one of the erstwhile babysitters in the Babysitter's Club. Not a lot of other babysitters in this book, Baby Nation. It was a very Claudia-centric book. Also, yep. her new friends in the seventh grade. Here is what Pete says. He mentions that Stacy is from New York. And then he says the following thing through Claudia's voice. Have you ever asked a New Yorker how to find some place? Everything is measured in numbers. Go three stops on the number one. Switch to the Uptown 3 and take it to 96. Walk two, cross town. Stop, 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 stop. Slow way down. Let me open up Google Maps. Okay. Okay, so I'm taking the one down three stops. You're taking it up three stops. No, because why wouldn't you just say why wouldn't you just say transfer to the three then? You are switching directions. You're I'm taking think... the local one down three stops to switch to the uptown three. Well, mightn't you take the uptown one three stops and then finally get onto the three? Yeah, but then you would just say transfer to the three. Transfer across the track. Okay. You fine. wouldn't say go to the uptown. Okay, good. Three. Well, this is helpful. So go three stops on the number one, switch to the Uptown 3, and take it to 96th. Okay, so there's a lot of places where you could take the train down. Three stops. Three stops on the one. So I'm guessing she's at one, two, three. I'm guessing she's at Houston. She's on the Houston 1. She's on the Houston 1, and she's going to take the one three stops downtown to Chambers Street. To get on the Chambers Street 3 stop. To take that up. Okay, now, so you take that to 96th. Walk two crosstown blocks and three downtown blocks to 110 West 93rd. Okay, okay, okay. So she gets out at the 96th Street Station. Well, wait, where did she start? She started at Houston and what? She started at Houston and... Sorry, Baby Nation, um, here in New York, we call it Houston. Not Houston. Everywhere else in the country, you pronounce it Houston. Yeah. Here, we just go ahead and call it Houston. Yeah. Okay, uh, she's at Houston and Varick. She's at Houston and Varick at the one stop. Yep. There's a bar there. Vaughn, the Vaughn bar? No, you're a little off. I'm seeing what bars are around there. The green space is right there. Okay. WNYC, Houston okay. Hall. Houston Hall, where we went and met up with Baby Nation that one time. Well, that's worrying. Oh, shit, that is worrying. Like, right there is where the one time we've had a public... BSCC event? Baby Nation, the one time Tanner and I have ever had a public Babysitter's Club Club event, we went to a bar on the corner of Houston and Varick called Houston Hall with a bunch of listeners to the podcast. And a bunch of other people. It's a big bar. Pete may have been there. Pete. 
But anyway, so we get on the house in one. We take it down three stops to Chambers. Right. We take right? it to Chambers Street. Yeah. And you take that to 96. Then you get out at 96. Okay. You get out. You walk two crosstown blocks. So you're walking. I'm going up, I'm going up to 96. You're okay. walking east two blocks. Okay. I'm on 96 and Columbus. And then you walk three downtown blocks to 110 West 93rd. Okay. 110. West 93rd. Pete definitely wants us to find something here, right? He wants us to find something. It's like west of Central Park, right? I'm there. I'm there. I found it. It's it's about a block and some change just west of Central Park. It's on the corner of 93rd and Columbus. Right. I, and I've, I've got it up here. Okay. I'm a little worried about what I'm seeing. What are you seeing? I don't think you're going to like it. Okay. Just fucking just get it out. It's a... Uh... <clears throat> I don't know how to say this. Just fucking get it out, man. It's a party city. What? It's the it's the backside of a party city. A party city, the party party supply store. Party supply store for partiers. Yeah. Uh, so that's dark, man. What the fuck is Pete Larangis doing in the back? Oh wait, of a party city. Here's the weird part. I don't go up to the Upper West Side, which is where this is, Baby Nation, very often. Yeah. But one of the few times I have gone up there, we often go up there to meet Jamie's parents for dinner because they live outside of New York City and they drive in to meet us for dinner. Right. One of the few times we did go, we went to a restaurant called Elizabeth's on the corner of 93rd Street and Columbus Avenue. Do you think someone was watching you? I'm starting to wonder if Pete is just kind of tracking me and this is his way of telling me. Well, this is... It's distinctive because it looks like an old sort of like plantation house with a white picket fence around it. So this is... Pete has written a map that starts at a bar, which is the first bar that you and I ever had a public Babysitter's Club Club event. Yeah. And ends at Elizabeth, the second place you ever kissed your wife, Jamie. Oh, boy. Did we kiss in front of her parents? That feels like it would be weird. Okay. Well, and then he goes down to Chamber Streets, too. So he goes to Chamber Street? He goes down to Chamber Street, and I'm looking at that now. Yeah. Oh, you know what? Oh, shit. What? Yeah. That's where my practor is. Okay. Well, this just feels like a, a warning shot across the bow. My practor's right there. Right. Like a block away. Okay. Dr. Bleep that. Bleep that. <laughs> Wow, shall I bleep what kind of doctor it is as yeah. well? Just, in case. just just keep the practor in <laughs> so people understand that it is a, a practitioner. Yeah. Whew, pretty spooky, Pete. Okay. You got me. Pretty All right, spooky. Pete, I admit you found me. Okay? <laughs> you got him. You got me, Pete. Um, the only other note I have, Tanner, before we move into our final segment of the night comes from this passage. Out of the corner of my eye, I could see Christy and Abby approaching. Stacy, hold my train. Your what? The train of my dress. Pretend. I walk toward Christy regally like Queen Elizabeth inspecting the Royal Middle School, waving slowly to my subjects on each side, chin held high. Look, Christy, Abby said. Stacy has created a Claudia robot. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <sighs> I just felt like I needed to point that out because we've been much maligned in the press for suggesting that Claudia is, in fact, an artificial intelligence created by her sister, Janine. Which publications are maligning us? Babysitter's Club Monthly. I haven't, I haven't read it. The Stony Brook Sentinel. <laughs> uh-huh. 
<laughs> the Wall Street Journal. The Wall Street <laughs> Journal. And the Grey Lady, New York Times. Yeah. Yeah. Maggie Haberman. Mm. She fucking hates us. Oh, she does not like us. <laughs> yeah, it's, I'm not sure if we kept it in because we haven't heard last week's episode yet, Baby Nation. But um, <laughs> last week, Claudia creates uh, Stacy Simulacra right. from Snow. Did we keep that in? Uh, it's in the outtakes. <laughs> yep. So if you heard the outtakes, you'll know that. Yeah. And this week, it appears as though Stacy has created... Yeah. Now, do we are, we are we sure whether or not this is Snow Stacy or regular Stacy? Oh, I see. Because <laughs> maybe Claudia has created a Snow Stacy, who in turn has right. created a robot Claudia. Right. And it'll just keep going. That may be what happened. <laughs> <laughs> so next week, robot Claudia will create some kind of like, I don't know, bug Stacy. <laughs> Yeah, this is just a spinoff material for Anne and Pete. <laughs> what other Pokemon types are there? Dark Stacy? Um, Uh-oh. Blastoise. <laughs> I thought you were just trying to figure out how to pivot to the next segment. Nope, you were just trying to think of a Pokemon. No, I was trying to think of a Pokemon, and I couldn't think of any. Blastoise is one. You got it. That's a good one. Tanner. Water type. <laughs> I'd like to ask you a question. Yeah. It's a personal question. Oh, okay. Is everything okay? comfortable with it yeah yeah and we've talked pretty intimate friends you like arm stuff you like grand theft auto you like arson yeah burning things gets me a little horny yep you like to kiss your wife Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> at least once at least once but did you tanner and you don't have to answer this if you don't want to but i'm titillated to know did you this week have a <gasps> Yeah. What was it? I'm sure that it must be something that Sean Addison said, because boy, oh boy, we have not talked much about the fire starter Sean Addison in this episode, but he came through with some burns this week. Marianne, Sean's not supposed to listen to the radio while he does his homework. Sean's door crashed open. Marianne jumped away. Sean ran past her as if she weren't there. He burst into Corey's room, steaming. You ugly little frog breath pig face. <laughs> ugly little frog breath pig face. That is so many. Baby Nation, that is so many modifiers before the word face. Ugly little frog breath, breath pig face. Pig face. Yeah. <sighs> How would you top that? Well, he adds insult to injury because she screams, Get out of here, Corey cried. By the time Marianne reached the room, Sean had grabbed the book out of her hand. Oh, I think this baby book is so funny, he said, <laughs> pretending to read it. tee hee 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 And then he sets fire to a library. <laughs> he just fucking hates books. Ugly little frog breath, pig face. Do you want to, do you want to pick it apart real quick? My burn of the week is related to this. Okay. So the person in question is not good looking. Corey. It's somebody who's the subject of this insult. Let's say that it's true. Somebody of whom this would be true. Okay. Corey is, it's the jury's out. We don't have enough information. We don't know whether Sean is exaggerating, yeah. but he is describing her as what this is, what this creature is. It's small. It's it's not good looking. It's ugly. It's ugly. It's small. small. Little. What do you think? 
three feet. If I saw something that was three feet, I would think that's that's pretty big. If I saw that's like a, a chocolate bunny or like a toy that was three feet big, right? I would say that's a big chocolate bunny or that's a big toy. Okay. What about my child is 26 inches long. That's just over two feet. Is that small? Again, if I saw like a candy bar that was 26 inches, I would think that's a big ass candy bar. If I saw a 26 inch banana, are you kidding me? I'd be like, holy shit. <laughs> Look at the size of that banana. What's going on with bananas <laughs> these days? Okay. Eight inches. Eight inches is good. I mean, eight inches is still eight. frighteningly large for a banana, but <laughs> okay. it's more reasonable. So we'll say eight. Yeah. eight inches, not good looking. Now, when you lean in close to this mm. thing. I've leaned in close. And you get a whiff. You breathe in deep. Yes. What do you smell? Something amphibian. Now, this is what it gets a little tricky here. Does she have yeah. the breath of a frog? Or does she have the breath of someone who's been eating frogs? Oh, that is a good question. Because if someone has been eating like a garlic bagel, you would say they have garlic breath. Well, actually, I can prove this out for you. You're exactly right. If I said that you had fart breath, I would mean that you have been, been eating, eating frogs. Something I'm known to do. Right. <laughs> so she, let's assume she's been eating frogs. She's been eating frogs. And so you lean in. You're like, what is this eight inch? So she's French, right, Jack? According to you? Yeah. You just you boil everyone down to their stereotypes? Yeah. <laughs> Who else eats frog legs for the love of God? It's not even a stereotype anymore. Okay. But so you lean in. Yep. I want to, I want you to inhabit this. You lean in, you see something unpleasant looking. Ugly. And it's eight inches tall. You look down, you're like, what the hell is this? You're walking outside your apartment. Okay. You see something eight inches tall. It doesn't even reach up to your cat. Can we make it in my apartment? Because that would be more upsetting. All right, it's in your apartment. I live in New York City. I expect to see a lot of weird things outside my apartment. But if this was in my apartment... All right, you walk into the bathroom. You're going to take a shower. <laughs> you got your bathrobe on. You got your shower cap. Yeah, to protect my perm. To protect your perm. And you walk in, you close the door, you lock the door, you let the robe fall <laughs> uh-huh. voluminously to the floor. Now you're naked as the day you were born. Yep. And do you, so you do. You want me to take off the small chastity belt I wear at all times? Take off, yeah, take off the small chastity belt that you wear at all times. It's, there's nothing. Okay. It's just you and your God. Okay. And you're about to step into the tub. Yeah. But there's something unpleasant in there. What is it called when it's a chastity belt that you just wear around your, your ding dong? Not a belt at that point, right? A sock, I think. <laughs> I just wear a sock on it. Yeah. And you pull it off. Yeah. You've unlocked the master lock that was on there. On a you sock. the combo. Yeah, yeah. On the sock. Pull it off. Cast it aside. You step. You're about to step into the tub. But there's something, it's eight inches, it's eight inches tall in the tub, and it's hideous. <laughs> it's hideous. Yeah, no, I was there. I took off the chastity belt. <laughs> but... Get the joke I was talking about. This is my ding dong. This is my ding dong. <laughs> eight inches. Woo! You kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> Can we move on? Yeah. You're, you're captivated. You're interested. Mm. You lean, somehow, despite your disgust, you lean down all the way so that you're face-to-face with this creature. It has a face. It has a face. It has a pig face. Okay. Oh! oh. (laughs) So it's a small pig? 
It has the face of a pig. But that's not the first thing you notice. The first thing you notice... What's the first thing I notice? It smells like it has been eating frogs. Jimmy! <laughs> Why is there a small pig in the shower? Oh, Jamie's actually coming now. What? Why is there a small pig in the shower? Our shower? Yeah. Did we get pigs? Eight, eight inch pig. It's been eating frogs. What are you talking about? Can you bring Jamie and ask her to corroborate whether you've ever kissed her a second time? I'm going to put you on the headphones. Okay. Okay. What are you talking about? Hi. Hello, Jamie Greenring. What a pleasure to see you. Hello. I'm going to cut right to the chase. Okay. I saw you. And Tanner, at your wedding, kiss one another. Yeah, that's usually part of the ceremony. Right. No one is contesting that. Okay. Have you ever kissed any other time? Kiss Tanner? Yes. I didn't hear what he said. <laughs> oh, well, that's, see, that's <laughs> sketchy. Baby Nation, she, she looked at him and she said, she whispered, in case you didn't hear it, she whispered, should I say yes? But I forgot that I'm talking to you on headphones right now and Tanner has no idea what you okay. have. All right, that's actually, that's all I need to know. Yes, we have. You, well, well, okay. Jack, is this your way of asking us to kiss on Skype for you right now? Because that's weird. Oh, well, I don't want to see that, but I think I have everything I need to know. Thank you, Jamie. It's very nice to see you. Thank you for providing all the evidence that any of our listeners need. Okay, bye. Goodbye. Okay, so what happened there, for the sake of the, the podcast, I yelled out um, jokingly, Jamie, why is there a small pig in our bathtub? She thought I was talking to her, yeah. came into the room. Mm-hmm. You guys had a conversation that ended in you demanding that we kiss in front of you. Mm-hmm. And we refused. Right, as you should. Yeah. So, I've been Tanner Greenring. I think we're not done. <laughs> you have to do your burn. Marianne stood her ground. Sean, you're not being very nice. Yeah, called Corey. Then will you please get out of here, Sean asked. And will you please tell my sister to brush her teeth because I can smell her breath from here. <laughs> That's good. Tanner, you had an opportunity to prove that you were in a relationship tonight. Then I respectfully declined. However, that is all the time that we have for today. Tanner, I would like to humbly suggest that we get the fuck out of yes, here. Yes, please. Baby Nation. My name is Tanner Greenring. Baby Nation, thank you for listening to our show. Please take a minute, if you have not already, to write us a nice review and give us a nice rating on iTunes. Yes, please. And then if you want to, you can do us one more favor by recommending the show to a friend and telling them to listen to it and get into it. This week, Baby Nation, we talked about a novel that was called Claudia, Queen of the Seventh Grade. And next week, we are going to be reading a little book called Mind Your Own Business, Christy. Mm. They did do a little bit of foreshadowing this week about Christy's bad attitude. Yeah, Christy was being difficult. This she week. was being um, we didn't have time she to was get being obnoxious it. about the fact that Claudia is in seventh grade. She's making fun of all of her cool seventh grade friends, including Josh Rocker and Mark Jaffe. Mm-hmm. Baby Nation, I have been, this week, Jack Alexander Shepard. I've been Tanner Greenring. This week. And also, remember to round off the corners in your bedroom, drown all your dolls, call your senator, and demand your right spare time. And do not forget, please do not forget to let Daddy love you as much as I do. And Baby Nation, make sure to on those <laughs> Okay, well, I'm going to bleep that. <laughs> Claudia's wearing a bra now. 
and the way she talks, you would think that boys had just been... your motto you and sarah actually have a motto oh yeah no quarter no mercy no prisoners is our family motto i thought it was had something to do with a bathtub <laughs> sarah's grandmother has a motto uh that is wonderful that is every tub on its own bottom mm-hmm. which i really like and i modernized that to be every head on its own spike which i <laughs> I think as a motto for me and Sarah more encapsulates our relationship and also strikes fear into the heart of our enemies. And then I added to that the motto, no quarter, no mercy, no prisoners. It incorporates that motto, no quarter, no mercy, no prisoners. Right. With Sarah's grandmother's motto. Right. Every tub on its own bottom. It's a beautiful meeting of transgenerational shared values. Yeah. Um, that's what I like about So I know you and Sarah pretty well. Mm-hmm. You're both gentle um, v- vegans who have not and would not hurt anyone ever. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious about the thinking behind your motto. Well, let me ask you this, Tanner. Have you ever seen either Sarah or I take a prisoner? No, but you have offered me quarter before. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, fine. Well, maybe we don't live up to our motto. That was a HeadGum Podcast.